All right. Okay. If you have a bulletin, I think we ran out. But if you have a bulletin, um, if you wouldn't mind reading along with me. This is um, 1 John 5, 13 through 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the requests that we have asked of him. That felt good. <laughs> I don't know what to do with the mic, though. I got you. I got you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Good work. I love, I love whenever Dan comes. You guys can be seated. Um, hey, guess what? Anybody can come. Like, if any of you guys would love to come and read scripture, we would love to have you. Marcus and I are living proof that it doesn't matter who you are. You can come up here and talk in front of people. And uh, so <laughs> Drew seems a little more put together than us. Anyways, um, you know, it was funny. Uh, yesterday, I mean, it was kind of unfortunate, but I got this flashback. I don't know. I wonder if any of you guys were there. The f four years ago was the first time I had preached in front of a, a church, and uh, I it was the day before I was doing a snowboard competition up at Cannon, busted up my shoulder. I was in here with this makeshift sling. Was anyone there that morning? It was my first ever sermon. Heidi, I see it. She was. She didn't even want to raise her hand. We had maybe a couple people. Um, but yesterday I had a fall, and so I was reminded of that, and my shoulder hurts with me a lot, but it's my other one. Anyways, with all that said, um, we have been going through a series on the book of 1 John. Um, I'm really excited as uh, we're, we finally, like today is the last day, we're concluding this, um, this series. The book of 1 John is one of my favorites. Uh, I hope that you guys have... Um, obviously, there's some people who haven't been here, but I hope that you've read it or that um, if you have been here, that you've been following along and, and trying to read through the book of First John. Uh, we've talked a lot about how it's, it, you know, John is this really passionate guy. Um, he was the, the man who uh, he would say about himself that he was the man that Jesus loved. And he was very, very passionate what he did. It was funny as I started to look into some of the stuff he did, he looked a lot like Peter to me because Peter was the guy who stuck his foot in his mouth. And sometimes John did that too, believe it or not. And uh, you see that played out in, uh, in 1 John. He's very, like, some of the, the language that he uses is really to the point, straightforward. It's, you know, we, we've gone through, last week we went through kind of a more difficult passage. We're going to go through a, a little bit more difficult passage today, but for the most part, everything's been really straightforward, black and white. This is what it looks like to have fellowship with God. We've talked a lot about fellowship. Um, it's this word in the Greek, koinonia, and, uh, and, and it's really the individual with God. And these tests that are given in 1 John, they're diagnosing what your fellowship is with the Father. Um, and, uh, and we see, we see a fellowship here and we see a lot of, he talks quite a bit about loving your brothers. So there's fellowship here too. There's a horizontal kind of fellowship and there's a vertical fellowship. Um, now I was really wanting, uh, honestly, I was really wanting to just be like, 
Let me just find a good passage. I knew there was one in First in John chapter 5. Really wraps it up. We just read it. Um, and it's all about, I mean, it's, it's straight out of what I've been saying. I write these things to you, verse 13, I write these things to you, to, uh, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It's this question that I've received a lot in ministry is like, how do I know, like, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that, that I'm a son of God? How do I know, how do I know, you know, like, um, and I get that asked and, and it was a professor of mine at Word of Life who pointed me to the book of First John. And there's a lot of these diagnosing passages, a lot of these tests that are given. You want to know if you're a, a, a child of God? Well, here's what a child of God does. Does your heart lead you there, or are you are you quick to say no? That's not that's not for me. Or do you go your own path, or or is there something in you that's urging you that way, that's pulling you that way? The Bible teaches that 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 is the Holy Spirit. So um, we've been going through it. So I found this passage. I'm like, yes. What was funny was if any of you guys have read the rest of uh, chapter five, there's actually another passage, and I. I felt guilty if I would just skip over it. I said we're going to read through the whole book, and we are going to read through the whole book. But I read through it, and I'm like, dang it. This is another one that's like, what is John talking about? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to lay out the plan, okay? We're going to read through verses, I believe it's 16 through 21, okay? I want to work through that a little bit, share with you about some popular interpretations essentially i'll be honest this is another one i don't really have a you know a really strong conviction or dog in the fight about um but i want to uh, if i was the one sitting there and we're going through first john and you and you skipped over marcus if maybe if marcus was up here preaching he skipped over this section i'd be like whoa what about that what about that i have lots of questions about that you just talked about that nice verse where you can have security about being a believer no, 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 let's go through it. So what we're going to do, we're going to read through verses 16 through 21. I'm going to do that right now. If you guys have a Bible or a smartphone or anything you want to follow along, you can do that. Um, verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death, I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and the eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Um, this, this 16 and 17 was really what rattled me. Maybe, maybe some, something else in there rattled you, um, but 16 and 17... Uh, ever since I decided to follow Jesus six and a half-ish years ago, I have been reminded again and again and again 
that the Romans road, how many of you guys know the Romans road? Romans 3.23, for the, the wages, or sorry, sorry, Romans 3.23 is that um, for all have sinned, yeah, Drew's mouthing it to me, and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm thankful that my wife went to Bible school too. She can mouth the words. <laughs> she probably knows them better than I do. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And so I was reminded, like all this, the last six years, I'm just reminded, okay, like we've all sinned, we're all on equal ground, and all sin, regardless of if it's a, you know, a, a little white lie, or, or I go and murder somebody, I'm, I'm made imperfect, and I'm accountable to God, and I deserve death. And there's a really popular phrase, there's a lot of really popular phrases that go around in Christian circles that I think we lose or we, we use kind of flippantly and, and that is this. It's that not all sins are equal. And, or sorry, no, all sins, all sins are equal. And uh, one thing that's interesting is I read through, as I've read through the Bible, um, I've learned that that's not entirely true. In fact, and, and before you guys raise pitchforks at me, uh, I want to read a couple passages in first John, or sorry in John 19:11. Jesus says to Pilate, "He who delivered me over to you has the greater sin." Jesus is saying that there are some sins that are greater. In Numbers 15, the Bible contrasts sin done unintentionally uh, to sin done with a, a high hand, meaning sin done that's willingly, like you're shaking your fist at God. You're willingly sin, sinning against God. And, and the, in Numbers, it, uh, Numbers 15, it treats that intentional sin with much greater harshness. Then in, uh, it also talks in, in 1 John. Earlier in 1 John, it talks about the difference between unrepentant sins, sins that you don't you know, feel sorry for or want to turn back to God for, unrepentant sins versus repentant sins. Okay, that's in 1 John 1, uh, 8 through Eight through ten, um, and uh, and so we see that there are certainly ways that not all sins are equal, but in other ways sins are all equal, and this is kind of like when when we I, I talk about this pendulum a lot, where we often swing way far one way, and because because we've been pushed from the other side we're like I don't like that so I'm going to just swing way over here and we miss the fact that no well there's some truth there and I think we've we've kind of missed it at times with this but uh, but all sins are equal in the sense that that all sins are offensive to God there's a perfect God in heaven and when when you perform any sin you are made imperfect and you can never, ever stand before a holy God. It's like a human being coming before the sun and expecting not to get burnt. The, the radiance of God's holiness is so much greater than, than us as sinful human beings. We, we just do not stand before him. And the other reason that sins are all equal is that Jesus' blood has equally covered all of our sins. No matter if, just as I said, if you murdered somebody or you told a white lie. Okay, so what is this passage talking about then? It's, it's going into sins that lead to death, sins that don't lead to death. So 
Um, like I said, I, I did this last week with the passage that we went through earlier in 1 John 5. Um, I'm going to do this this week. I'm just going to share some of the popular interpretations. You'll probably hear wh- which way I might lean a little bit uh, based on how I say it, but I want to be fair to each of them. Um, and to be honest, I, this is something I don't want to fight about. We can have a discussion about it, but like, I'd much rather talk about the good news of Jesus because this is a very unclear passage. So, popular interpretations. Catholics, for many, many years, they've, they've uh, organized it into what's called mortal sins or venial sins. Essentially, a mortal sin is, is, that, is sins that are unrepentant, sins that we are done intentionally against God. Um, and uh, so y- you've been convicted by the scriptures and you know that that's wrong. Um, they would call them more serious sins. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I kind of had heard that term. I grew up in a Catholic family and I'd heard that term most of my life. Pfft, no clue what it meant. Um, essentially, if you commit a mortal sin, um, in the Catholic church, you have to go to, um, reconciliation to reconcile that difference. And, and that sin, if you commit a mortal sin can keep you out of heaven. Okay. So in the Catholic church, that can keep you out of the heaven, out of heaven, where a venial sin are things that we do that we don't even think of. We like, there are times that I don't even, I'm not intentionally trying to do anything and I'm wronging people because I'm sinful and the world, then this world is broken. And, uh, and sometimes I can't even do anything about it. Or I don't even know that something I'm doing is against the rules, against God's law. And then later on, I'm like, oh my goodness, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Oops. Okay. You know, those are venial sins. And so according to the Catholic Church, those things would not withhold you from heaven, even if you didn't go and, and do confession for them. So that's in the Catholic Church. They're going to talk about those sins leading to death and not leading to death. Um, many uh, in the Protestant kind of belief system will believe that uh, it's actually not talking about spiritual death. It's talking about physical death. Okay, sin that leads to physical death. It, they give a couple of uh, illus- or examples of that in the New Testament. Um, in 1 Corinthians, if any of you guys remember uh, the passage where Paul, he's, uh, he's talking to the Corinthian church and he's saying, some of you guys are taking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. They were coming w- pridefully and the people who you know, who might have been really struck, they would look down on the people who were really struggling or poor or anything like that, and they would come with this prideful attitude and take of the Lord's Supper. And it said that, he said that some of you have died because you came in an, un, uh, in an unworthy manner. Okay, that's an example of people uh, committing these sins that leads to physical death. Now, nowhere... In scripture, does it say those people went to heaven or didn't go to heaven? I'm not going to make a claim on it because it doesn't say it in there. And I'm not going to be the judge and jury over those people. You see another example in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Okay, they were a couple in the early church and uh, a wealthy couple which sold all of their land. And then what they did was they gave the money to the church and uh, they said that they gave all of it, but really they didn't give all of it. Now, I don't know exactly how much of it they gave. I would assume they still gave a large sum of it, but that's just an assumption. Uh, 
Peter knew it, and he went to them, and he, he, he uh, confronted them about it, and Ananias and Sapphira were both struck dead. Okay? They would, so these, <laughs> all I'm saying is these, like many in this Protestant belief system will say, like, hey, th- these are sins that lead to physical death. Maybe not spiritual death, but physical death. Those, those sins led to physical death. Okay? That's kind of that camp. The last one, now I'll be honest, I'll, I'll probably fall into that category because, because the last one, uh, you're kind of going to have to sit on one end of the spectrum as far as the once saved, always saved. We call it the big word is eternal security for that one, um, is that once you become a Christian, you can never fall away. Once the Holy Spirit indwells someone, you can never lose the Holy Spirit. Once you're a child of God, you can never become not a child of God again, okay? I know I'm throwing a lot of theological things, and one thing that's interesting with theology is when you take one thing, you kind of have to swallow something else, and that's how it is, and uh, you form your convictions over that. I'd encourage you to, but, you know, there are some convictions that we have to hold with humility, and and I'll be honest, this is something I want to hold with humility. This last position is one of apostasy, somebody who, who truly comes to faith in Jesus and then they commit a sin that makes them fall away, that, that takes them from being a child of God to not a child of God. Now, there's, there's spinoffs, there's flavors and all that, um, but they're saying that there are sins that can, that can literally take you from being a Christian to not, okay? So those are the... That's it. That's, that's the, that's, those are the interpretations. You know, I, I take that as you will. Um, but uh, but I, I wanted to be upfront. I wanted to be honest with you about that. Um, overwhelmingly, uh, through this, this entire passage, as we will kind of look more at 13 through, uh, through 15 to finish, is that, is that um, John is just, ex- just urging and, and like asking you to follow Jesus. He, you know, in, I like right after that, I think it's verse, um, verse 18. He says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. That hints back to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 talks about you can't, make, you can't be a Christian and make a practice of sinning. You can't just go on living a life of sin, like, when you, like, know, like knowingly sinning, practicing sinning. I talked about the word practice, like something you're working at. I'm working at getting better at something. And he's, and he's explaining in, in chapter 3, he's like, you can't keep on sinning and say that you're a Christian. You can't be a, indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God and then you just be like, well, I'm just going to prance the other way as the Holy Spirit's like just going to be like doing nothing in me. It doesn't work like that. I can't suppress the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Okay? And so that's overwhelmingly what John's saying. And uh, as, we, as we finish this series, I know I've, I've, I've talked about a lot of tests that were in First John. Okay? I, I personally went through 13 Okay, uh, there were a lot that were kind of copied and uh, you know, they kind of were just different language that was used. I want to boil it down into a couple as we, as we conclude. But, but really, 
when you narrow it down, the tests of what it means, like if you want to know that you're a child of God, if you want to know that the Holy Spirit is in you, first of all, do you confess that Jesus is the Messiah? That one sounds pretty obvious. If you don't confess that Jesus is the Messiah, how do you, how do you be a Christian? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's, that's pretty, pretty day one basics. Okay? Keeping his commandments. It talks a lot about that. Keeping his commandments. Don't continue to live in your sin. Don't live in disobedience. And it actually uses the language that you, like it's like you can't. You can't. Like I can't. Even if I try to, I can't because God's spirit's in me and he won't let me. And even if I do get in a cycle of it, it's just like, I'm just like torn within. It's like ripped to shreds. I don't know if you guys have had that, but I'm pretty under the impression that when I read First John, like I just like can't do it. I'm not strong enough to fight off the Holy Spirit. To love others. This is a huge one talked about throughout most of the chapter, most of chapter four. Do you love others? And we've talked about how this isn't just about loving your Christian brothers and sisters. Amen. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Be supportive and loving to them. But this, you know, how would anybody know what it means to be in the family, in the fold of God, unless you show them? This isn't just about loving your brothers and sisters who are Christians, okay? We're not just checking boxes. We're loving people. And then there's a confession of your sin. Being able to confess where you're wrong is probably one of the hardest things I think everybody in this room struggles with pride, and, uh, and I am <laughs> I'm probably the worst. But being able to confess your sin. And then I, I, the last one, there was a, one of the tests in, I believe it was at the end of chapter 3, um, and this is the ultimate sealing. Ephesians talks about that it's the sealing of being a believer is that you've received the Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit does all this work. So as we, as we think about the book of First John and as we allow the word to kind of soak in over us, are we able to be honest within? This isn't an outward thing. This isn't like, well, I, you should see how many times I've been to church this week. Or you should see how many, how many chapters of the Bible I read. You should see how many soup kitchens I help out at. Or, or how, how much I help my wife with the chores. I do a terrible job at that sometimes. But um, I, I don't know what it is. This isn't, this isn't a, a checkbox list. And the only person that you can be honest with about this is yourself. You know, if I'm close enough to somebody, I'll, I'll lead them. I'll help lead them through this stuff. And if I see things in them, like I might point it out. But, but the only one that you can be 100% honest with is yourself. What's, what's inside you? This isn't about your spouse, your brother, your sister, your friend. This is about you. And when I read through the book of 1 John, it just digs into my heart. And what's, what's great is, is that this book isn't supposed to tear you down. This book is supposed to build you up. 
Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. There's nothing better in this world to have than hope in eternal life. There is nothing better. This book should build you up. As you read through it and you hear of what the Holy Spirit does and you say, you know what, I don't always do it perfectly. It's not like a checkbox thing, but I feel the Holy Spirit leading me in all those directions that this book is pointing me to. That should give you overwhelming confidence and hope for the future. But if you go through this book and, and you read these things and you say, oh, I mean, I kind of like to do those, th- but, you know, like, but you just really know that what's within you isn't pointing you to those things. We talked a little bit, I think it was last week or the week before, about how uh, keeping, oh, actually it was last week, about keeping his commandments. Are they burdensome? And I talked about it's not that it should be easy. It's not easy for me to follow Jesus' commands because they're high and lofty. But when I follow them, they bring life. Okay, I I think one of the most clear examples of like, man, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's in me, is if I'm following Jesus' commands and it brings death to me, if it just destroys me and wears me out and, and, and there's no upside to it other than that I'm just wasted and spent. Could it be that you're wasted and spent because you're, you're doing it without the Holy Spirit? Could it be? And that's where this book is hard, and that's where you have to be honest. What's inside? Do you have the Spirit? I, I want to encourage you guys, don't continue trying to live a Christian life if you don't have God's Spirit doing the work. Because you will be exhausted. And there are times in my ministry that I feel like I'm kind of doing more of the work than the Spirit, which is really, really unfortunate. Guess what? I get exhausted. I love Jesus' words as he says that my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's like there's there's an easiness to allowing God's spirit to do the work in your life, okay? And, and we, I know we can, we can go back and forth on the words, but I'm, I, I, just, I just really want to be honest with you guys about that, and that's what this whole series has been about. That's what the whole book of 1 John is about. Are you able to confess those sins? Are you able, uh, you know, is it just in you? Or do you just want to be prideful? Do you want to continue your way? And, and I've, I've tried to conclude every week because there's, there's good news. There's, the gospel is good news for those who, those who come out of this book and, say, and, and, are, and have confirmation. There's good news for us who are Christians. But there's also good news for us, those of us who read this book and say, you know what, I don't really have the Holy Spirit. The good news is that, is that for those of us who are Christians, is that, is that if you're burdened and tired, uh, that, that you allow your, the Holy Spirit to start doing the work, that his, his, bur- or his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Allow the Spirit, allow the Spirit's strength to be working through you and have confidence and hope for the future. But if you come to this book and you 
say it's not in me. I don't think the Holy Spirit's in me. We start with the basics. You know, the f- one of that, that first test I went over, we confess that, that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is he's the one that was promised. He's the one that, was, that came to reconcile us to God, and he's the only one that gives us access to, to God's power through his spirit. He's the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But for you to come and say, you're either in a position where you just say, you know what, I want to stop trying to live the Christian life without, without really following, without really trusting <laughs> that, that God's going to do it through me. That we stop trying to live, live that lie. I, I once heard it said, it's like, you know, we come to these moments where we, we make all these commitments and we say, I'm going to do better, I'm going to be better. But if we do that, and we do that without the Spirit of God doing it, then we're just going to be we're going to be just as burdened and, and exhausted. It's like it's like if we have a dead body and we put makeup on it, and we keep coming to moments and and, and where we say like I really want to follow, and it, and we just keep putting makeup on a dead body. And man, I heard that illustration and it just like stuck with me. Are we dead bodies with makeup, or are we living creatures? I just read through Ezekiel when God raised up bones from the ground and he made bones, dead bones, dead human bones become living and alive and active. And the bones weren't standing up and saying, look how great it was that I became a human and I can do stuff. No, the only thing that they had to boast in was that God restored them. Is that in you? And we truly confess that Jesus is the Messiah and we turn and follow his ways. It's only when we do that. It's kind of funny how that works is that when we, when we truly trust and we truly turn and make that commitment to follow him that we also receive the Holy Spirit for us to not then do the work that we were wanting to do. It's so confusing but I, I can only explain that I've, I've experienced it. I can only explain that I've experienced it. So as we, as we wrap up, and I, I hope, you know, if you haven't read the book of 1 John all the way through, you know, because some of this might be like, what is he talking about? I haven't read through this or whatever, or you, maybe you haven't read through it in a while and you don't remember any of that, and that's okay. But I'd encourage you guys to read through it and, 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 and find those areas where it's just, where John's really black and white and just say, you know what, is that in me or is it not? And if you're here today and you really, you know, for the first time you really are just like, I, I, I don't want to keep living that lie or, or I, I want to confess, I want to believe, I want to follow, come talk to one of us. Come talk, talk to your neighbor. Talk to somebody. Don't keep living the lie. Don't keep living by your strength. Live by God's strength. It's so much better, so much better, and you'll be way more effective because I, I, I did the mirror analogy the other week, and when we try to live by our strength, we're just mirroring the world back to itself, and we're a product of whatever our environment is. But man, when you, when you know Jesus and, you, and you're able to, to have his spirit work through you, you're able to, to point the mirror to, to, to God 
and have his love point to the world. And man, is his love better. Man, it's better. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you so much for, for the apostles and, and John. And, and he just didn't spare, he didn't spare our feelings. He spoke boldly. And, and it is hard. It's hard to speak boldly because I feel like I'm going to be judged. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you gave us direction. That I don't just try to live by my, my feelings or whatever it is that I, I feel like is right or whoever I feel like you are. Father, you, you've, you've, made, you've made yourself very clear. And Father, uh, just as we went through a passage that was difficult, there are things that are still a little confusing, Father, but would you give us strength and discernment to understand? Our heart is just to understand. Our heart should not be to argue. Father, help us to understand you more for the purpose of loving you more and for the purpose of loving others more. Father, thank you for, uh, for just what this series has done to me. Um, we just pray that, uh, that your fruit would come out of this, not, not fruit that, that I produced or something like that, Father, that, that you would work in the people's lives here today, that you would work in all the people's lives who've gotten to hear, whether it's on the podcast or, or in person, or even if some of these thoughts made it up to the mountains, wherever Marcus and Drew were, Father, we just pray that you would be glorified. God, we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.